there was a point then in this journey that you decided you wanted to start a comic book store. And it was almost 10 years ago to this to this month, man. Mm-hmm. Like it's you're coming up on your anniversary. Congratulations. Let's chat about Mill Geek Comics. Cause you did a you made a decision that my dad decided not to do. Right. You saw the opportunity and you went from your garage to a brick and mortar. Why make that decision? And let's chat about the pros, the cons, what you would do differently if you could go back in time, you know? Well, Mill Geek Comics in Mill Creek, Washington. Open right now. You can go visit the store. We, we are. O- open right now. So the the reason why we opened a brick-and-mortar store, um, I was a stay-at-home dad. I was working on eBay. I was selling a bunch of stuff, and I was at the point where eBay was doing really, really well. But collections were getting dry. So all of a sudden, I'm talking to Tom. Hey, how do we get more collections? Well, you open a store, and you try and bring in collections. That was the idea. And we opened the store, and the collections weren't coming in, and then I kind of scaled back on eBay, and I tried to diversify too quickly. And I'm very glad that I opened the store. I'm glad I got the foothold that I did. But um, we weren't making money quickly. We weren't in a great location. Rent was expensive. New comics are expensive. Collections are expensive. It's just one of those things that we had to start finding other things to make money because new comics are a really, really tough thing to break into. Yeah, I think there's a thing that people can learn because I think in this new, I I don't think of it. I don't think this. We've been through this. We know this to be the case. New members are in our community who have this wish. They're this longing to open a comic book store. Really, the question that you have to answer yourself is, what kind of comic book store? Because out here in Washington, mm-hmm. uh, we just talked about John Hill, Hills of Comics. Yeah, there's a lot of comics in his store. They call them Hills of Comics for a reason. Right. Half his store is toys, video yes. games. Yep. Diversify. Right. Right. Magic the Gathering. Find what you can do. And that was something that we did back in 2012 when we first opened. We started running magic tournaments. And for a while, we were running some of the largest magic tournaments in Washington State. We would get upwards of 250 people show up over the course of a weekend to come for new magic tournaments. For a little while, we were doing uh, Warhammer 40K. We were doing tabletop gaming. We had a lot of D&D in there. We had a computer lab where people came in and played League of Legends. We tried to do um, Cards Against Humanity and Settlers Catan and just these other... D&D. I mean, all of these things we were really working on. And it just got to the point where you could spread yourself so thin and make almost no money on anything. Or what we did in the last few years, we scaled back entirely and went 100% comics. And I'm very happy that I'm at the point where all we really do now is comic books COVID definitely accelerated that. The fact that we couldn't have the magic players in the shop, the fact that we couldn't have the D&D groups kind of forced in the your shop, hand a it little did bit. force our hand. But the fact that I already had a big pile of inventory, I've got the expertise, I've been doing this professionally for almost 15 years now, right. even though the, the brick and mortar for a decade. I mean, it's been worth doing, but you're going to find some time. If you open a store, you're going to find some time where one thing's not working, do you stop that entirely or do you add something to it? And if you add that thing and another thing and another thing, is it too complicated with five different things? What do you focus on? And uh, with the magic, it got to the point where we were still making magic sales, but I was spending, 
80% of my time on 20% of the money coming in. Right. And it just really wasn't worth that when I started looking at how much I had to put into it and how much I was getting out of it. That's actually one of the um, biggest areas of opportunity whenever I've chatted with an LCS who's seeking advice. And I've even sent them over to you. We've had LCS owners that literally show up in your store asking for help. I always ask them to bring me a latte. Again, (laughs) this is the cheap version of a TED Talk. You want to sit down and have a chat? Grab me a latte. We'll go upstairs. We'll chat for a couple hours and you can pick my brain. I'm totally open for people to ask me about that. And shout out to the members who've reached out and we've tried to help in the the past few years. Some of them are still doing well. Some of them have gone Mm -hmm. because they realized, wow, starting a comic store was not what I expected it to be. They thought they were just going to be dealing comics. When in reality, we have stores out here that are legit half geek boutiques is what they describe themselves. Mm -hmm. And they also sell comics where you can get like vintage clothing, you know, necklaces and fun things that are in that geek genre. Oh, sure. But then you can get your Batman comic because that's how they have to diversify. But they're selling pop figures and they're selling, you know, other types of collectibles. And I understand there's definitely a niche for that. And that's one of the reasons why I think Whatnot has done such a fantastic job for people like that, because you don't need a brick and mortar store to be able to go look at everything in my store. But at the same point in time, someone on Whatnot's not necessarily going to have an extensive back issue selection like I do, or we do with our 50 cent bin or our cheap bin. Yeah, something you have to kind of grow into. Yes. So when you first started, you your initial plan was never really to serve the public at mass. I remember us chatting and you saying, "Yeah, we just need to be in a position where people can find us if they want to sell us comic books." And I think that was a great path forward. Things changed because people really got into comics, right? Right. So those collections didn't come in as often. But I think that's a very uh, astute way of looking at starting the brick and mortar, which is we're going into it with the plan to sell, not in store. And I think that's a big mistake some people make is I'm going to open a comic store and I'm going to sell to my immediate community. Those are the stores that largely close by year end, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And this is one of those things where a lot of people have this field of dreams mentality. If you build it, they will come. They won't. And that's kind of it. You have to give people a reason to leave the house to go and do this. I've talked to you before how most brick and mortars have a very small radius. If you have a shop, you are going to have 10 to 15 miles around you that If you don't have another store trying to take customers away from you, you're serving that community. Most people are not going to drive more than 10 or 15 miles to come to a brick-and-mortar store. If it's that far, they're going to buy it online. They're going to have it delivered to them. And COVID exacerbated this. So how do you expand your microcosm? How do you make your circle larger and serve more customers? You bring it online. We call it the World Wide Web because it is literally worldwide and you can get people all across the country. And that's why I think I was focusing so much on selling on eBay. But we happen to open in a great community with a good amount of disposable income. And there were a lot of people living in uh, the Mill Creek area that wanted to have a comic shop. We didn't have a comic shop that was close to where I opened and we started growing an in-person community. So... I made the decision to scale back on eBay selling, and I know it hurt us in some ways, and in other ways it gave us the opportunity to grow the in-person, the comic fam, local people, and then once we got, excuse me, a solid uh, foundation of those people coming in, we were able to re-expand to the rest of eBay. 
Yeah, and and assist globally now, you know, being able to ship across the country, across the world with Whatnot's help. Obviously, the comic fam here, we owe a lot of our success to as well. Absolutely. Because in the middle of all of this, legit, almost halfway through your grind as an LCS owner, as you were trying to figure it out, you started marketing yourself heavily on YouTube with me, right. and, and that's when things started get, to get even better. So we do attribute a lot of our success to the the YouTube and Instagram um, comic community Definitely. for sure. But you know, if you were to to look back and do some things differently, would you say maybe the diversification that you were kind of forced to do? maybe being a bit more strict about what you focused in on was one of the the biggest changes you would make? Or, you know, if you were to be asked by another comic store who's been doing this for five to 10 years and they're, they feel like they just aren't growing, they're not hitting strides, what would you recommend them do differently based off of your understanding of how the average comic store owner sells? Because most comic stores are not online. Right. Like, don't get it twisted. Most stores are not doing social media. Oh, no. And the number of shop owners I talk to that don't even understand how to go on to Instagram or go how to make it, it. You can tell that these old school people are really running their shop in an old school mentality. There's nothing wrong with that. It just means that we have a target demographic that's entirely different. Now, Dale Carnegie always said, do what you love and the money will follow. And this is something that I've always tried to do. I love my comic books and I've been trying to do it so the money will follow. For a long time, I loved playing magic, which is one of the reasons why it made sense to start selling magic cards at the shop. But when I started diversifying into things that I didn't 100% believe in and didn't 100% understand, that's when I started noticing I got more frustrated with my business and I made less money because I didn't understand the product as well. It's tough to say, let's do Warhammer 40k if you don't know what the difference between a Space Marine and an Eldar Army is. It sounds like passion. It, right. it was necessary. You're able to be able to say, I love this and I can follow it and I can explain to people with the passion because there are people that are just going to open up and go, we're going to run Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments, we're going to run Pokemon tournaments, we're going to do this. Do you know what your favorite Pokemon is? I don't even know what a Pokemon is. Okay, cool. Then you probably shouldn't be running those tournaments. You know, don't be running Super Smash Brothers video game tournaments if you don't have someone there who knows what they're doing because you're just going to lose money and be frustrated at the end of the day and you'll start hating the rest of your business. 